Welcome, friends. I'm Dr. Abby Kitchens. And I'm Dr. Emily McLeod. And we're glad you've joined us for today's episode of The Dirt Beneath Our Nails. Hello, friend. There we go. I don't know why it didn't open on the app. That's weird. That's weird. Technology. It's because it's 2020. <laughs> Nothing works the way it's supposed to in 2020. <laughs> oh, my word. The funniest thing I've read about 2020 this week is we are coming upon a time change. And I read a little meme that said, forget the time change. We don't want an extra hour. <laughs> Amen. I read, a meme, I read a meme about that. Like um, it started, it all started in March with the, with the time change. So maybe we can do a reset, a hard reset. <laughs> the time changes again. Yes, please. Yes, please. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am um, a little tired trying to play catch up this week um, yeah. since I went to a dog show all weekend. So I spent the Let's, weekend away. I mean, let's talk about that. You didn't just go to a dog show. You cleaned up at a dog show. <laughs> well, I mean, we did okay. We did okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of us. Are you building an addition for all the ribbons? How's that going to work at your house? Are you going to sew something out of them? What's happening here? I probably need to sew a quilt out of them at some point. But but yeah, no, we had an amazing weekend. An amazing weekend. So it was our first UKC show. I have never been to a UKC show. And let me tell you, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to AKC. I mean, I probably... Oh, do tell. You just got some hate mail from people online, but tell us why. So first of all, I have an unconventional poodle. Yes, you do. I have a party, what's called a party poodle, and she's a standard poodle. Well, in the AKC, she's registered AKC. She's also registered UKC. So she's double registered. But in the AKC, you cannot show a multicolored poodle. Even though poodles, for their entire existence have had the genes that create the coloring that she has, you cannot show a multicolored poodle. So you can't show anything but solid colors in AKC. So I can't show her in confirmation. Right. Now I can show her in obedience and rally and agility and all of the performance sports we can do, but we cannot show in the confirmation ring. So for me, not a huge big deal because who in the world wants to compete with those poodles in AKC that have this hair all the hair. Oh my gosh. The hair, the product, (laughs) the product and the maintenance of the hair. And let's be real. I'm a mom and a doctor and I don't have time to maintain that kind of hair. I don't want, I don't want to maintain that kind of hair. Right. And I like my dog to be a dog. Right. So I was never really interested in showing in AKC anyways, but I have a bunch of friends who have party poodles and they show them in UKC who allows your poodles to be shown any color. So you can show multicolored poodles and you can show solid color poodles. And so you can show any color poodle and well, those colors that exist naturally in the breed, you can show. Which is everything but Merle. So Merle is not a normal breed uh, color for poodles. But anyways. Um, and so I knew a lot of friends. And I was like, well, I just don't, don't want to maintain that hair. I don't want to do the hair. They're like, oh, no. You don't have to do the hair for UKC. 
there are some suggested trims that the dogs be in, but really you can show the dog in any trim you want to show them in. Nice. Including a nice sporting cut, which is kind of like a little kennel clip, which is a shortcut with, you know, a nice top knot and some fluffy ears and a nice fluffy tail, but the rest of the body can be pretty short. Nice. So, so I was like, okay, you know, sure. Why not? I've never shown a dog in confirmation, but heck, this can't be that hard, right? Well, <laughs> first of all, it does take quite a bit of training yes. to get your dogs to do that right, which I now have a better appreciation for. So we've been going to classes and I've been studying the grooming and I've gotten some tips. And so we got our haircut the week before and um, I went to this show this weekend and I had been practicing rally. I also entered the rally competition that was going on. And I thought, well, worst case scenario, we'll go, we'll get some qualifications in rally and she'll get a new title and we'll just play around in the confirmation ring because who knows how well she's going to do. Right. But if but, we had a drum roll, I would be drum rolling. <laughs> so Saturday was definitely the day um, we placed high in trial for the rally competition that day, which means that we were the highest scoring pair <laughs> in the entire competition. That is Saturday. awesome. <laughs> we got our first perfect score in rally, which is 100. Yay. And we're the fastest team to complete the course. Congratulations, Dr. Yeah. Kitchens and Xena Princess Warrior. <laughs> so we had a great weekend. And then she went on to the confirmation ring that afternoon. We competed and she won best of winners, which means that she was the best non-champion dog in the ring. Yes. And we got to compete for best of breed, which we can, we go in the ring against all the other champions and all the grand champions. And we didn't win that, but it was just an honor to be chosen. Yes. Winners. Yeah. It's a big, big deal. That's so Um, great. So she got like 40 points, which in, in UKC, you need a hundred points to become a champion. Okay. And she got 40 points. In one weekend. Yeah. That is awesome. Good for you. Yeah, so the judges really liked her, and I actually think they appreciated her trim because she looked very sporting, and you could definitely tell, like, you can hide a lot with hair, and I wasn't hiding anything with hair because we didn't have any hair. Right. So um, it was really fun, and it was really, and not only that, and the reason that I love the UKC so much is because of the camaraderie atmosphere. Nice. The judge, the rally judge, was so nice. And even helped one of my new friends with her little poodle, helped her give her some tips to go in the confirmation ring with her dog. Nice. And all of the other poodle people were helping us with our haircuts and our trimmings. And we're like, oh, you need to stack her better. Or, you know, like just giving us tips and tricks, even though we were going in the same ring together. Oh, that sounds so nice. So just the atmosphere was so nice. The dogs were really nice. I mean, you know, of course, those AKC people will be like, well, the dog quality isn't the same. I would beg to differ. Um, There were some really nice poodles there. There were some really nice dogs of all kinds of breeds there. Um, So I had a really great time. And it wasn't quite as as high strung. And um, I don't want to say it in a derogatory way, but just it's not as intimidating as the AKC is. Wow. 
you know, there, there are, so in the UKC, you are not allowed to have professional handlers. Oh, so that's so nice. Either, yeah, it is. So if you need help handling your dog, you find somebody, but you cannot pay them. Wow. Oh, that's totally a different game then. Right. So you, and you're not allowed to put any kind of product in the dog's hair. Oh. So in, in any breed, not just poodles, you're not allowed to put any kind of product in the dog's hair. Um, you, you know, they, even in poodles, especially, they say they look at the dog over the haircut. Wow. So it doesn't matter what haircut they're in. They just are supposed to pick the best dog, regardless of, of hair, regardless of cut. And That's so great. Presentation. So <sighs> my one of my friends, I had met this new lady. Um, it was also her first time showing in UKC. And she had a solid color poodle. So she had this little black poodle. And she was up against some really stiff competition. She was up against these... AKC quality haircut, um, solid color poodles who were really nice. And she ended up in the, uh, she won best of breed. She won best, not a number one group and went into the best in showing (laughs) and her little solid color poodle in a kennel clip, you know? And I was like, Oh my gosh. And she got a group one. That's awesome. Yes. (gasps) Yes. That is awesome. Good for her. So I met a lot of new friends. Had a great time. My dog had fun. Nice. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it was a great weekend. Now, can dogs be spayed and neutered in the UKC competitions or no? So they have an altered class. So oh, okay. you can show altered dogs, but it's in a separate, like they they um, compare the breeding dogs to, to each other and then they'll compare the altered dogs to each other. Oh, that's nice. So yes, you can show your altered dog. In UKC, still get champions, still get best of best in show, still get all those awards, um, but you're competing against other altered dogs. So oh, yeah, you so can nice. still do confirmation if your dog's spayed or neutered. It's pretty wow, neat. that's that's a whole new world. Yeah, so you can you know if, even if as a breeder, you know I could have dogs spayed or neutered, and they could still come, like puppies of mine that go to families, and they can still come and play with us. You know, have fun. if they how fun would that be? Yeah. How fun, yeah. I've always said about the AKC shows, there should be like a siblings class that's just for fun. Oh, yes. But yes. for siblings of show dogs. How fun would that be? Just to have complete awesome. nonsensical shenaniganery happening in ring six. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. the siblings class in ring six where we all go to have fun. Well, what's interesting is they do have like a brood, um, brood bitch class uh-huh. in UKC, which is... It's not at every show, but at some shows they do where you have the bitch come in and her offspring. Oh, how cool. And so you judge them on the offspring as well. One as well. And so you can kind of judge the bitch based on her offspring. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And they do a thing called total dog, which, um, which we, we are, we are a total dog now. Zena is now a total dog. (laughs) We, with a qualifying score in a performance event and on the same day, if you have um, certain win in the, in the com- confirmation ring, which the best of winners that day gave, gave us, um, you become a total dog. And we got an invitation to the total dog invitational. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's pretty neat. It's pretty fun. It was way fun. Well, congratulations. Course, winning. Winning is always fun. Winning so. does feel great. But also it sounds like you had a, you would have had a good time anyway. I mean, the winning helps, but you made new friends and you got to do fun things with your dog, which is a great stress reliever for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, good for you. Super fun. So what about you? How are things? It, my week has not been full of ribbons. If I may just say <laughs> 
<laughs> so I kind of feel a little bit like Debbie Downer and I just want to celebrate in your goodness. Um, but I've actually had a heavier week this week, which just for no expected reason, but, um, random strange things and some things from my old life have come back up and I was contacted by back in my back in my what I call my old life my previous life I was um in just a very difficult abusive marriage and religion was used for a lot of control and as a result we attended what was called a church but was truly a cult and I did not have a choice. So I was in such an oppressive situation that it really was just easier to go to a place that I didn't agree with the teachings. And I could see a lot of the unhealth in the teachings um, because that was it was easier to try to keep the peace at home than it was to deal with the ramifications of standing up for myself. And just uh, over the weekend, I was actually contacted by some people who uh, that particular religious organization, I hate calling them a church. They call themselves that, but they're not. But um, that particular religious organization is now being investigated for abuse and all wow. kinds of other things. So I um, just kind of wrote out my perspective on some of the happenings and some of the things that I saw when I attended and then spent quite a bit of time over the weekend reading other people's accounts of situations. And so I was able to connect with some people that I did not know had left the organization and it was really nice to reconnect with some people and for all of us basically to say, I had no idea you were going through this. I had no idea you were going through this. I had no idea that this was your experience, but that also brought back a lot of memories mm -hmm. and a lot of feelings. And even though there's been a lot of healing and a lot of forgiveness and I'm no longer in that religious organization and I'm no longer married to the person who made me go there, it was, it was a bit of a heavy weekend and and that's kind of filtered in through the week because there have been some more communications and things like that so um i'm really hopeful that whatever i had to contribute is helpful and that the people that are still following the teachings of the leadership are able to see what's not right and get free from it and um and probably the lightest part and the best part was just seeing how many people I thought were still involved who are not and who have seen the truth and who have been freed of really the very strongholds of religious narcissism, which sounds strong, but it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. It was a lot of years of my life that were not good. Um, so it's nice to be away from that. But yeah, so that was brought up. And then on Monday, I went to treat a mayor. And this is a mayor that I've adjusted a handful of times. And the first time I adjusted her, she was new to this owner and the owner I've worked for for years. And she's a good owner. And she was telling me how perfect this mare was under saddle. She'd only had her for a couple of days. She wanted to get her started out right and have her adjusted. And I had no problems with this mare for the first, you know, three, four, five minutes of her assessment. And then I delivered an adjustment and she about killed me. <laughs> so this was multiple visits ago. And then for a time, so we talked about why and the tenderness and the soreness and the fact that she'd come from a, a barn where she was really, really, really hard worked. She's a jumper and had had some evidence of poor feet, poor dental hygiene, poor saddle fit. So the owner worked on getting all those things corrected. And for a time, she was a little bit better, but then she started being really hormonal. And she was always pretty hateful about being adjusted. 
so, and it turns out she was pretty hateful about a lot of groundwork, but perfect under saddle. Well, so with COVID and the way things have changed in handling horses and people being at appointments and things like that, uh, we had an appointment booked, this client and I, for Monday, but she wasn't able to be there. So your mare will do without you there. Because Dr. Kitchens, animals are better when they're people with them. And... Oh, <laughs> more than sometimes. Yes. Often, <laughs> often. And I thought, yes. you know, maybe this owner is ramping up a little bit and she's getting her mare stirred up. So I said, let's, let's try for me to fly solo. It's a big boarding barn. I'm not going to be alone, alone. And let's see how it goes. And so I was in the barn with this mare who there was another horse in the same barn and all the doors were open and I had seen some of the staff. They knew where I was there. So it was a fairly safe situation. But with the delivery of the first adjustment, she offered, she bared her teeth and offered to bite. And I said, no, we're not going to do that today. And with the delivery of the second adjustment, I started in the cervicals. She pinned her ears and then lunged at me. <laughs> Ooh. Bit the side of my face and my head. And, um, yeah, and knocked me down. And thankfully, that's all she did. She didn't come after me again. It was very purposeful. It was very planned. It was very not nice at all. So I took hold of her lead rope again, gave her a little correction, and said, we're done. Mare, we're done. And I took her lead, put her back in the stall, took her lead rope off, hung it up, texted her owner, and said, we can discuss rescheduling. However, I would prefer to refer you to another chiropractor. And let's try a man in case this is a gender bias. And before you schedule with this person that I'm going to refer to you, why don't you go back and figure out what's wrong with your hormone because, or your mare, because I think she's hormonal. There's something physiological going on because a mare shouldn't be this hateful on the ground. If she's perfect under saddle, there's something that hasn't been found yet. And I don't, and the mare's on regimate. So she needs something else. So anyway, um, she is a good owner. She's put a call into the vet. She uh, put a call into a couple other professionals. And I'm quite confident that we'll be able to get to the bottom of it. But, but either this mare has gotten away with being hateful and raunchy for years and years and years, or there really is something wrong with her. But, mm -hmm. you know, in my experience, horses aren't generally hateful unless there's something wrong. Or they've had a terrible past, and that's the only way they've known how to protect themselves. Right. So anyway, it's been a it's been a bit of a harried week. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. It's, yeah. Some some are better than others. This hasn't been a super winsome week, um, but at the same time, I feel very lucky to be alive because she is a giant warm blood that could have gone very differently. And uh, yes. she could have pinned me in an area of the barn where I couldn't have escaped. So I'm very grateful to be alive. And um, I'm also very grateful to be on the other side of the weird religious cult time of my life. So things are not Absolutely. horrible. It's just been a heavy week. <laughs> so knowing now what happened with that mare, yeah. do you feel like you took the precautions that you should have taken or would you have approached that differently in hindsight? No. Okay. 
No. And I think no, because I, she was apparently in a very good mood when I approached her. There was no offishness. She was ears forward, happy. She wasn't antsy in her stall. She lowered her head to be, to have her halter put on. Um, so there was no like tingly feeling that you were getting like, this is no, like, no, you know how you can, you, you see a horse and you just get this feeling like, I just don't trust you yes. kind of thing. Yes. So there's none of that. Well, I think I went in with that knowledge because she has, she has needed, yeah, she has offered to bite and kick in the past. And, and the sad thing is the last time I worked on her, the last couple of times, if her owner stood holding a lunge whip <laughs> and held it up where she could see the whip, she was better. So the only thing in hindsight is I wish I had known to ask the owner more questions. So the questions I asked were, how has she been? What are your concerns? Is there anything I should know? Have there been any changes? Got all the answers to that. When I called the owner and said, this is what just happened. I am fine. It was a mere flesh wound and a bruise. And thankfully I lasered it right away a couple times and I can now chew without searing pain in my jaw. What she then told me was, I should have told you, she actually tried to bite me this weekend when I tacked her up at the show. And I was like, oh, yes, that would have been really good information to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I didn't get that. I do know that feeling you're talking about. And I didn't get that. I think I approached her already knowing that she potentially was not a safe mare, but I approached her looking for signs of naughtiness ahead of time. And she just didn't give me any. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this susses out and this won't be the end. This is naughty mare episode number one. Um, (laughs) Not saying that I'm going to put myself in harm's way again, but I do think there will be follow-up with the owner and we will find something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just not, yeah. And, and think the third, you know, things come in threes. The third heavy thing that happened to me was I got an email from one of my clients with a dog who has been for lack of a better word, um, reactive and edgy and not safe. And apparently there were some grandkids around this weekend and he bit one of their grandchildren. Did not break the skin. Apparently this dog is fine around adults, but he's not great around children. Every time I have adjusted him, I have to do so muzzled. And he barks and sounds ferocious all through his adjustment. And then after his adjustment, the muzzle comes off and he accepts treats very kindly. And he has a very soft mouth, but he still has a little bit of crazy eye all the time. And he came from a, an unknown past, and the two people that own him are um, psychologists, and they have done everything they can to rehab him. And after he bit their granddaughter this weekend, the, they wanted to rehome him. And I spoke with their veterinarian, and I just said, I would like to, I would like to reply to their email, but I would like to offer an opinion of humane euthanizing this dog, because euthanasia would be the best route for this dog in this case. And I've, I've known the dog for two years. This is the second child he's bitten in the three or four years they've owned him. 
And mm. he now either has to be muzzled at home or in a crate when anybody's over. And now the wife doesn't trust him. And so it's Absolutely. creating disunity in the marriage. It's not good for the dog. It's and, and I just said to the veterinarian and he agreed, I don't feel that this dog could be rehomed safely because he's already unstable and he's with two of the most kind, compassionate people he could be with. So he agreed. So I sent that email and that was a bit of a tough one, but it's what's best for the dog and it's what's best for anybody else in, in the dog's future. So, yeah, that's an interesting topic. And of course uh, at the, uh, at the end of this podcast, it's a hard topic to start. Maybe we need to like have episode one and episode two to talk about like behavioral issues because you know, that's a hard topic in so many rescues. And this is kind of where I butt heads with some rescues because so many rescues want to save everything. Yes. And then I deal with some owners who have unstable dogs. Yes. Their dogs are basket cases yep. or they're unpredictable or they're going to hurt somebody. Yep. And you can, you know, they've tried all the things. They've even been on drugs, yes. you know, like you, we have tried drug therapy and behavior therapy and, and all the things. And at the end of the day, the dog is not happy right. because it's constantly in a state of anxiety or fear. And the owners aren't happy and they're constantly scared the dog is going to go off or, you know, um, turn on somebody or bite somebody yep. or, or anything. And there have been so many times that I have been in those situations as, a, as the veterinarian to discuss that with the owner. And you can tell that the owners are at their wits end. Yep. And so many people want to chastise those owners yes. for, for doing a behavioral euthanasia. And I tell the owners their brain, just like if the dog had in-stage kidney disease or in-stage liver disease, we would never question an owner that wanted to euthanize a pet in those states. Right. Well, this dog has in-stage brain disease. Right. Like the brain is not normal. There's some chemical imbalances or, you know, some sort of dysfunction in that dog's brain. And there are so many people that want to say, oh, but you can rehab out of that. Da, da, da. Well, I have seen some wicked dog bites on children, yeah. on adults, yeah. from these dogs that they thought that they could rehab. Yeah. And it's just not worth it for the dog's sake, for the family's sake. Yeah. And, you know, I, people may chastise me for this, but I wholeheartedly agree with behavioral euthanasias, you know, with proper, proper counseling. Yes. Absolutely. But it sounds like this family had already tried to do all the right things with the behaviorists and the training and the desensitization and all the things. Yes. And there are just some dogs that, you know, it's better for everybody in that situation to let him go. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that because I work with some veterinarians who struggle with behavior euthan- euthanasias and, and I'm with you, I think, and this family did, they did it all. This dog has had traditional Western vet med. He's been on anti-anxiety medications, antidepressants. When none of those helped, they added Chinese herbology, acupuncture, chiropractic. They've had massage therapy, myofascial release. They've done the behaviorist, the training methods, the positive reinforcement. They have literally done it all. And they're very conscientious people. Money is not an issue. 
Um, time is not an issue. Their children are grown. So he has been their focus. So I think if, if a family has invested three to four years into rehabilitation and it hasn't been successful enough that they can have their grandkids over and not worry about their safety, it's just not fair. And my fear for this dog was he comes from a tumultuous past. He's had the best three or four years of his life. He has had everything provided for him. He's had every opportunity. 95% of the time at home, he's been a good dog. But when he comes into the clinic, any clinical setting, he is in that super high drive sympathetic mode where he's frozen or fearful and then reactive. Mm -hmm. And that's happening at home. And as he ages, it may get worse. And like you said, it's a brain disease. And unfortunately, we can't always test for those. And my fear was that they would rehome him to another family or a rescue where he would wonder what he did wrong to get there, when his people were coming back. And then he would have to learn a whole new set of rules, have a new diet, maybe get his medications, maybe not, maybe get his physical care, maybe not. It's just unfair. It's unfair to him, but it's unfair to them to continue living this way. So, and and not to be pragmatic because we do love our animals and, and we love our dogs differently, I think, than sometimes we even love people in our lives because of all the baggage that people bring. So not to be entirely pragmatic, but when I look at this family who has so much to give to other dogs, but they can't bring another dog into their house because he's so reactive, they could continue down this path and they would spend less time with family or he would spend more time muzzled or crated, which is also not good for his quality of life. Or they can pick his very best last day. They can do all the things he loves to do. Then they can hold his face and look at him and say, I love you. You were a good boy. And they can let him go peacefully and they can put their hearts, their love, their time, their money, their resources into homing other dogs who desperately need homes as well. Absolutely. So, there is a time and a place to be able to say, I choose your best last day and everybody's suffering, including yours, unstable, reactive dog is done. And that's yeah. such a kind gift. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I have so many owners who bring their dog and they were like, um, and this is kind of a different type of situation, but they're like, oh, well, he was, he must have been abused. I'm like, well, how long have you had him? You know, where did you rescue him from? Oh, I've had him since he was six weeks right. old. And I'm thinking, well, at what point in your dog's life do you think he was abused? Right. Personality is bred. Yes. It's, yes. It is 90% genetic. Yep. So if, you know, all these people are saying, well, it's, you know, they've been abused or whatever. I'm like, no, they were, they were born that way. Right. And their situation in early adulthood and early childhood or puppyhood, early puppyhood was not helping their situation, didn't help socialize them. And some of them, even at puppyhood, even when I see them at eight or nine weeks, I'm like, oh my gosh, this dog is going to be terrible. They aren't friendly. They're already scared. They um, are reactive already Mm. to the, you know, to whatever you're doing to them. And even though we try, we have fear-free approaches, we are fear-free certified, you know, we do all of the things to minimize that reaction in puppies. And most puppies, you know, normal, healthy, stable puppies eat treats and don't even know that we've, they've been vaccinated, right. you know? Um, and so to see these puppies that are incredibly reactive 
and I just will share one story for this, the conclusion of this um, podcast, but several, several years ago, I have a large scar on my hand from this dog. And that's kind of why this case kind of sticks with me all the time because of this large scar on my hand. He was a young German shepherd and from his puppy visits, I kept telling his owners that they needed to seek behavioral counseling. They needed to have visits with a behaviorist. The dog was not stable. The dog was going to bite someone. And when I saw him, I think it was for his castration visit or I don't remember exactly what the dog came in for, but he was muzzled and he was not wanting to be restrained. He was alligator rolling and doing all of those things. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And he's the, the scar that I have is not from a bite. It's from a scratch that the dog just took his nails down my hand and scratched me. And I told the owners after that, I said, you need to seek a behaviorist. You need to seek counseling. This dog is going to bite someone. And I never saw him again Mm. because of course, you know, they don't want to hear that. Right. So several years go by and the county is calling for rabies vaccination history on this dog because he has bitten a child. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So when my hair stands up and my, you know, I, I now am even more, I guess, encouraged in myself to talk to these owners about the the future of these dogs, because especially in young families that have the, like, have a possibility of having children soon, and they have this very reactive dog, they need to seek professional help. There are professionals that do this for a living that help with dogs like this. And if people just think that they can get and do it by themselves, they are doing themselves a disservice. Yeah. I agree with you. Oh, heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah, yeah. So we went from your delightful winning weekend (laughs) (laughs) to the gift of goodbye. And uh, yeah, all the things in between. Um, What's one fabulous standout from your week besides all the ribbons? (laughs) Um, You know, I saw a dog today that was a big win. He actually just came in for his wellness visit. And um, his name is Bishop. And months and months and months ago, he came in with IVDD, which is intervertebral disc disease, and he could barely walk. And he was incredibly, incredibly painful. And it was in the midst of COVID and all the craziness at like the peak of COVID. And I had to really go to bat for this owner to get him in to see the neurologist and get him the surgery that he needed and really push for him. He was very, very painful. And so this is months, you know, months later and the dog's coming in and he's walking and trotting around and doing all the things. And I just, it was a big, big victory oh, today yay. to see that dog come in looking so amazing. So that's definitely my win, win for this. That week. is so great. That is so great. Well, my happy moment for this week came tonight. It's chestnut season. We have six or eight chestnut trees in our front yard and as I was thinking about talking to you and thinking about the week and we're only halfway through, it's only hump day. Um, I was picking chestnuts. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about chestnuts, but they are encapsulated in the spikiest, most painful to touch balls. And when they open these most beautiful maple, dark maple colored nuts fall out and they hit the ground. And sometimes a chestnut, ball spiky ball will contain one chestnut and sometimes two and often three and this year we thought we would get super smart and lay tarps down 
for chestnut collection because we thought, well, it'd be easier if it rains, they won't be muddy. We spent a lot of time last year washing chestnuts. There are a couple of big communities here in town that love to buy chestnuts from us. They're organic. We don't spray. They're beautiful. Yada, yada. Well, not only is it easier for us to find the chestnuts on the tarps. <laughs> exactly where this is going. <laughs> but remember last time we talked that family of deer that I described in my front yard? Yes. <laughs> they are loving the tarp action. <laughs> I drive in every single night and there are one or two or more deer standing on the tarps at the buffet. <laughs> we are being decimated by deer and the squirrels we were in the kitchen yesterday and there was a squirrel running across the yard with a chestnut in its mouth i'm like we gotta get rid of those tarps and make them harder to find in the grass because the trees (laughs) we have three trees that don't have tarps under them and we are picking up loads of chestnuts well anyway my big aha for today was first of all i'm grateful for chestnuts but what a little life lesson these beautiful perfect nuts are packaged in this hateful spiky ball and that's Mm. sometimes life you know, sometimes you just kind <laughs> of get through the spiky outer shell to the inner goodness. So I will be thinking of all the life lessons I'm learning while I'm trying to save my fingers from the spiky balls of <laughs> the chestnut coverings <laughs> while I pick these chestnuts, which I don't even like to eat, but for the people who do. And so welcome chestnut season. We are happy to be feeding all the deer and the squirrels in the land. And people. And the people who will be lucky enough to get the leftovers from the deer buffet. <laughs> from the deer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Excellent. So that's my life in a chestnut ball. <laughs> in a chestnut ball. <laughs> yes. Oh, do you and have anything coming up this weekend? No, we um, have to do, have to fill that family cup before I Very can good. empty it again to go to another dog show. Very good. So we have another show at the end of October, Halloween weekend. So it's a lot closer to home, but yeah, I'm excited. Good for you. Well, we already have so many things to talk about next week. We didn't even talk about your mom being in town. There've been so many things. So we'll cover some more ground next time we talk. Yes, ma'am. We will. You have a fantastic week. You too. All right, dear. Bye. Bye friend. Thanks for spending your precious time with us. Go out and slay your day.